Sweet. So I'll be reading uh, Jonah chapter 2. So if you'd like to turn there. Um, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Tom. It's so good, eh? That is a funny story, right? The last bit. Who has a different version than spit? Who's got vomited? I'm like, how good is that, eh? Vomited. Kia ora, bro. Do you need a stand, man? No, there's one here. You got one? Cool. Awesome. Hey, let me pray for Tom and get out of his road. So heaps of you know Tom, but there's always people that are like, who is this handsome-looking shaven-headed fellow. So um, Tom's been part of our church for like ever, and Tom works for International Word of Life, so a big part of his job is um, racing around all the islands, so Vanuatu, Papua New Guinea, Sune, Summer, all over the place, Fiji, um, helping them work on youth programs and get youth stuff going, so pretty awesome, eh? Yeah, it's cool, and hard life for us that don't get to sit on the beach. I know you never get to sit on the beach. You get to sit on the beach all the time. Yeah, Yeah, it's a hard life. We'll pray for you more, bro, that you don't get time to sit on the beach and you just work. No, we won't do that. All right, is your microphone working? He's all good, bro? Cool. All right, let me pray and get out of the road. Yeah, kia ora atua. Um, Yeah, thanks for this wild story, eh? This really cool book of Jonah. Um, Yes, there's so many great verses in this chapter too, eh? Thanks. Uh, so much for guiding Tom uh, this week. Eh? We know it's not just Tom standing up here with wisdom and insight. We know it's Tom standing up here who's really dug into your word and listened to you and uh, sought your guidance and your direction this week. So just really pray for good ears uh, for us to hear what you want to say through your servant Tom this morning, God. Uh, we're here because we really do want to change. Eh? We want to become more like Jesus. We want to grow in Christ-likeness. So give us just really good ears to pull out of this message, exactly what you want to hear um, for each of us individually. Yeah, I pray with us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Cheers, bro. Well, let's go a little lower. Oh, it's all right. Good morning, everybody, and good morning to those of you on podcast, and especially you, Liz. Liz is not very well today, so hi, hun. I'd send a kiss, but someone else might grab it on the way. That'd be terrible. Um, we're in Jonah chapter 2, and I'm, my prayer is for you. Um, that God would speak to your heart today. I don't know your journey, but all of us are on a journey in life. And as Christine said today, talked about her troubles in life and a few times being in the waves. I remember being on a plane. I love, I love um, you know, when the planes, what's it called when they all drop? 
Tubulance, of course. I just love tubulance. And I remember being in, going to Christchurch one day and it was really bad tubulance. And this lady beside me just grabbed my hand and then she, like, she was freaking out and screaming and everything. And, and then um, I think she'd been through the earthquake, the Christchurch earthquake, so that added to the trauma. But then she apologised. I said, oh, please apologise to your wife for me holding your hand during the flight. It was kind of funny, really. Anyway, um, yeah, I love tubulance. So, Grant, I'm with you, very. I don't know about the bus thing, though, eh? Like, that's pretty scary. That's really scary, yeah. Anyway, all of us, you know, I think if we're really honest, you journey back through your life, and there's been stuff you've been through um, that's actually been pretty turbulent. <laughs> and it's like in chapter 2 here where the, wave, where the seaweed strangles you. I've been there and a number of times in my life, crying out to God. So I think it's a, it's a, I love this prayer. I think it's one of the beautiful prayers of the Bible. Um, but it's a really challenging prayer as well because it, it, it like pierces our hearts. And um, maybe today God would just want to share with you. And I, I really pray, you know, the, the beauty of this is that we look to God. I think in today's day and age, we, we're consumed with ourselves. <laughs> we get consumed with ourselves and our own environment and the own stuff we're going through and we fail even as believers to look to God and I think we just need a little wake-up call a little shock this morning to remember to look to God he's got he's bigger than you and we're going to talk about that so I better not get carried away here I'll forget my sermon but I'm going to I'm going to pray too Craig hope you don't mind but I just want to pray for myself and for you guys Lord thanks for today thanks that you're going to challenge my heart today you already have, and you're going to do it again. And so I'm open to that, and I pray that all of us might be open to that this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Being shocked by electricity can be really dangerous. And Lee Trevino was a famous golfer who was struck by lightning while sitting under a tree during a tournament several years ago. And he said this. He said, it belted my arms and legs out stiff, jerked me off the ground. And he went on to explain that he was sure that lightning had killed him, at least for a moment. And Lee Trevino would be the first um, to tell you that contact with electricity can be deadly, can be dangerous. If you go to hospital, they would tell you that contact with electricity can be life-saving. When a patient's heart stops beating in the middle of a procedure, the doctors are forced to use a device called a defibrillator. And they were also known as paddles, and they send a heavy electric shock into the body of the patient in an effort to restart the heart. The contact with electricity can save their life. And so it's important to keep this in mind as we look at our circumstances. And some circumstances we think are deadly may very well be in the case because um, God wants to wake us up and to rescue us. They might feel deadly to us, but God might be using them to wake us up and to rescue us. And that's exactly what happens here in Jonah chapter 2. Um, normally, being in the, uh, I was going to say the belly of a bish, but I won't say that's wrong. That's in the belly of a fish would be a deadly circumstance, right? Any of you been in? No, you're all alive. So. Um, but in this case, it's a circumstance that provides Jonah with a wake-up call. Um, it would have been horrible, it would have been extremely hot, it would have been, he would have been contending with everything that was coming into the belly. Imagine that. I don't know what whales eat or fig bishes eat, but, you know, it must be all sorts of stuff. 
and I just don't think it would be a comfortable place. It would be hot, it would be uncomfortable, it would be gross, absolutely. Um, and maybe some of the things that you're going through right now or have gone through recently or even in the past seem overwhelming and, and seem so very uncomfortable. But I want to say to you today that God won't leave you to sink. You have to keep remembering that. J.D. Greer, and I love his, his statement, he says this, that God is relentless in reaching out to you as a merciful God. Get that, remember that, that God is relentless in reaching out to you as a merciful God. I love that. In, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 11, it says there, Jesus says, or the, um, Matthew writes, Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost. He is relentless in reaching out to you. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior from sin today, know this, that God is relentlessly reaching out to you with love and grace and mercy. If you're a believer today and you're feeling like you're in the bottom of that fish, God is relentless in reaching out to you today with grace and love and mercy. If we look at in, in Psalm 18, verses 4 to 6, there's a couple of beautiful verses there. Um, but it's similar to the prayer that Jonah prayed, and maybe Jonah was thinking of this prayer. I'll just read these two verses. Um, the pangs of death surrounded me, and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, and the snares of death comforted me, um, confronted me, sorry. I wonder whether Jonah was thinking of that while he's down in, inside the fish. Um, but in this time of difficulty, Jonah turned to what was in his heart. And deep down within his heart was this, was this knowledge and understanding of who God was. Take you back to, the, to where Jonah is and what the circumstances are here. Jonah was a prophet. He was from a, a little town near Nazareth. And God's asked him to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is just not a nice place. And Craig described a little bit about the Assyrians last week. And I could describe it too, but I just wouldn't want to. I was saying to Christine this morning, I think it was probably worse than what happened to the, the Jews in the, in the Second World War. And I apologize if there's any Jewish people here, but I know that was traumatic. And I hated what happened there. But the Assyrians were wicked, wicked, wicked people. Before we jump down Jonah's throat, remember that. You know, it's like God might be saying to you, hey, look, I want you to go to Northland. And there's a gang of people there in Northland that are the most wicked people in New Zealand. They deal horribly. They treat people really badly. And I want you to go there and tell them they're wicked. They need to repent of their sin and turn to God. So hands up, those of you who'd be first to go. <laughs> Not me. I was thinking even in Hamilton, if there was a gang that God wanted me to go to, I think, well, maybe Craig's better than that. He's got tats and I don't. And I think he would fit that. Um, you know, understand that this is what he's, he's confronted with. And so, as Craig told us last week, he goes, you know, he's headed, he wanted to go 2,000 miles that way when he really had to go just 500 miles that way. And it's like, he's wanting to scarper, man. I understand. I get the feeling, Jonah. I feel it in my soul. So Jonah's there and God has to deal with him around this. Jonah wants you to trust me. And so he's gone through the process of jumping on this, on this ship and he gets chucked overboard. And 
this fig bush um, catches him and swallows him up. Um, But here in in chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, it says this. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Get that. Three days and three nights, and then Jonah. Like he's in there for three days and three nights. And And then it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord. Took him three days and three nights. You've been there wallowing in your mire, and then you suddenly think, man, I just need to go back to God. Why don't I wait three days and three nights? Seriously, that's how we are sometimes. We try and we see the counselors and we see the other people and we talk to others about it and we wallow in our mire and then we think, oh yeah, maybe, just maybe God might be interested. And so he turns to the right source for his answer after three days and three nights. And one wonders why he doesn't cry for mercy even while he's on the ship. Maybe he thought it was better to totally get out of the picture and let someone else do God's dirty work as such. Imagine, I guess, going to that criminal house, and that's how Jonah's thinking. I think, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just going to stay here, and if you throw me into the sea, that's better than going to that criminal house in Northland. Um, maybe he thought he could hide from God. Ever thought that? Maybe you can hide from God. Maybe you have areas in your life that are not coming under the lordship of, of, of Christ today. And we can be dissatisfied with what we have in our life. And, and so we get turned aside to the things that dishonor God. Be careful in your life that if you get your eyes off God, you will become dissatisfied. This world has only got temporary satisfaction associated with it. And if you turn aside... You're going to forget who God is and and not remember what he wants to do in your life. But it says here about a beautiful thing that Jonah turned to the Lord and he prayed to the Lord his God. What a beautiful thing. He stops. And sometimes we need to just stop and be alone and look up and turn to the Lord our God. Secondly, Jonah goes to whom he's accountable. He realizes that he's accountable to God. Verse 2. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. How beautiful is that? And God doesn't bring or allow affliction simply for the sake of punishment and redemption. But, sorry, but redemption. Let me repeat that. It's on the screen there. God doesn't bring or allow affliction simply for the sake of punishment, but for redemption. God is a redeeming God. And no matter where you are, no matter what your history is like, God's a redeeming God. And I love that. If he wasn't, I wouldn't be standing here today. I love that God is a redeeming God. And God doesn't just put you there and to ditch you, but to draw you back to him. I think of the story of Joseph. Ditched, didn't really have a history of badness, but he got ditched. Chucked through all the stuff that he went through. But God, Joseph could never see the end picture. But God knew the end picture. He says, Joseph, I'm preparing you, I'm preparing you, I'm preparing you. And you know what? Every day God is preparing you for the tomorrow of your life. And if you don't respond to God, God's not able to to prepare you as well as he might have for the tomorrow of your life. And so it's good to respond to him in that. I think of the Jewish people in Babylon. What happened to the Jewish people in Babylon? They had to learn from all their mistakes. God took 70 years to prepare them to then go back and be a light to the nations around them. 
So here's Jonah right now. He doesn't question God anymore. He realizes that what he's been saved from, and there's that, the, the fact is that there's no way out apart from God. Do you know, for any circumstances we are, we are in, you know, there isn't any other way out apart from God. If you start seeing people in your life as more important than God, that's kind of like idolatry, really. <laughs> You're worshiping the people wisdom rather than God wisdom. Now, people are helpful. I've had a lot of help from people around me. But remember, ultimately, it's God that we need to turn to. And that's who God wants us to turn to. Sometimes we turn to God when the damage is really bad instead of surrendering when we should surrender to Him. But repentance always comes in our lives from a place of despair. Repentance always comes from a place of, of despair and, and it comes from a place of humility and not pride. Pride can turn us away and think, you know what, God, I can do this. But humility keeps us down on our knees before God and we, and we realize that he's the one to whom we're accountable to. And pride can keep us from turning to the right place for the answers that we need to, to go to. And here Jonah, he cries out. He cries out to God. He's at death's door. But like on the ferry, um, on the bus, Christine, lovely illustrations. But we've been there. You know, and you may not have been close to death, but it feels like death. You feel like well, actually, this, I would rather death than what I'm going through right now. But death is, that sort of death is never better than turning to God. There's a new day tomorrow, but we often prejudge tomorrow by what is happening today. Have you done that? Today's a bad day, and so tomorrow's just going to be worse. But actually, tomorrow is a new day. And remember that God's in the business of being a redeeming God. He wants to redeem your life so that actually tomorrow you're going to look back and think, wow, this is what I learned from today. Often what we need is a new insight, maybe from some other person, a new insight into our situation, but certainly a new look at Jesus Christ and to remember that he's a redeeming God. So how's life looking for you right now? Feeling like you're in the bottom of that fig bush and you're strangled with all that seaweed and, and like life is at its end? Look to Christ. Look to God. And that's where Jonah turns here in verse 2. He turned to the Lord and he prayed. And then don't excuse. He doesn't excuse himself. Verses 4 through verse 8. He, does, he, he owns up. And sometimes, you know what? We have to own up to what we've done. In fact, we always have to own up to what we've done. <laughs> we always have to actually stop and take a step back and have a look at, man, what's led me to this point? And it may not have been anything. It might have been just life has come in on top of you. It may not have been anything to do with your behavior. But we still have to come and own up to the fact that we need God. And sometimes it is that we need to own up about our own sin. And God will often wait until we realize that He is all we need. He's not going to push you. He'll tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, remember who I am. But He's just going to wait. I remember way back in the early days of CBC, Roland Foreman said this, waiting time is not wasted time because God is in control of all the time. <laughs> 
I've never forgotten that. It's been really helpful in my life. And sometimes God is waiting, waiting for us to turn back to him and come to a place where, like Jonah, Jonah was in a hopeless place, right? <laughs> he didn't have a knife to slit open the belly of the fish and dive out. No, he was in a hopeless place. Should have been dead, but he wasn't. And God was just working in his heart. And sometimes it takes a serious occurrence for God to get our attention. But I would say, don't wait till then. Don't wait till that serious time that God has to get your attention. And life is so futile without God. And yet many of us pursue idols of all shapes and sizes that are away from God. We would not call them idols. But that's what they are. Because it takes, they take the place of God. And idolatry is a sin. And it's saying, you know what? I'm dissatisfied with God. When we find pleasure in other things and we seek other things for pleasure, we're saying, you know what? I'm dissatisfied with God. So Jonah here has to own up and he says, you know, he has to take the consequences of his action. That's why he's in the bottom of that big fish. Galatians um, 6, 7, and 8, it says, you will reap what you sow. You know, there are consequences to bad behavior. And if you've done bad stuff, remember that you are going to reap. That's the principles of God. I was talking to young people a couple of weeks ago about this, that if you will do bad stuff, God's put some principles in place at the beginning of time that are always going to play out when you play against them. If you play by your own rules. He doesn't suddenly come say, right, I'm going to zap you, Simon. I'm going to zap you, Craig. I'm going to zap you, John. I'm going to zap you, Wendy. No. Those principles were put in place way back. And when we break the law of God, there's a natural consequence to that. You will reap what you sow. God doesn't suddenly say, right, I'll get you now. They will play out. And so we have to understand that if we're going to break the moral law of God, there will be consequences to that. We have to own up about that. Numbers 32.23 says, Be sure your sin will find you out. I know that. You know that. It will find you out. It will bring you back to the place where you should have been in the first place of surrendering to God and being pointed to Him. So don't excuse yourself. Jonah didn't excuse himself. He owned up. He said, God, this is me. This is where I'm at. And so there are little issues that every day in our life that we need to own up about. Those little secret sins, you know. And the secret is that we need to submit to God, not hold those secret sins, not hide them away and think God doesn't see it. Nobody else sees it. Therefore, it's okay. I've got my little private life. No, we need to own up about that. We need to own up about that and submit to God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. I love these verses here. It says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my, yoke upon, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What does he say? I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. God is relentless in reaching out to you. He says, take on my yoke. And we often fight that yoke. We say, no, it's too heavy. It's too uncomfortable. I don't want to be yoked to you. I want to be set free to do what I want to do. But remember, his yoke is easy 
and his burden is light. When I was farming, I would sometimes get sheep that I had to put a, another lamb onto. They'd lost their lamb, and, and some of them were pretty horrible sheep, really. They did not want to take the lamb, and that would make me a little bit upset. I won't say angry, because you don't get angry as a Christian, of course. But I would have to actually hobble their feet, and so I would get a dog collar and tie their legs up, so they really made it uncomfortable for them to get around. It's like they had to take a yoke on, my yoke. See, just stay in there until you give in and let this lamb be your lamb. And it was uncomfortable for them. And sometimes life is like that. But when we yoke on to the Lord, it says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that. You know, there are several ways that Christians may respond to God's chastening. We might despise it as Jonah did. He despised it for three days. Can you imagine that? Being in that position for three days and then thinking, well, I better cry out to God. I can't really imagine it. But maybe he was so confused in his mind, thought, well, this is the end, any rate. What's the point of crying out to God? While there's life, there's every reason to cry out to God. I don't know what, where your life is right now, but if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, it's time to cry out to God. Absolutely is. If you're a Christian and you're going through hard stuff today, it's time to cry out to God. Some of you have been trying to resurrect your kids to follow God. It's time for you to cry out to God and let God be God in their lives. So you could be like Jonah, despise and despise the chastening of God. You could refuse to confess. It's time to own up about my sin. <laughs> Say, Lord, I've got it wrong. Or you can faint and give up. Or just endure it. Just dig your toes and grip harder. And I'll get through this, you know. Or you can stop and you can confess your sin. We choose one of those ways. Despise, refuse to confess, faint and give up or just endure it. Or we can confess our sin and trust God to work everything out for good and for His glory. There's a little saying that I love so much. It says this, God is not so concerned about where we are or what is happening in his life, in our lives as he's concerned about how we are responding in his workshop of life. God is not so concerned about where Tom is at or what he's going through as he's concerned about how I'm responding in his workshop of life. So when I'm in the bottom of the big fish, how am I responding to God? When I'm overwhelmed by, those, by all that seaweed and it feels like I'm being strangled and I'd rather not be here, how am I responding to God? Is God greater than your circumstances today? <laughs> is he? He absolutely is. I want to tell you that. He's relentless in reaching out for you today. God uses this place to bring Jonah to a place I repentance. I love verse 7. When my soul fainted within me. Just have a look at that verse. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Is that where you go when your soul faints within you? We have those times when our soul faints within us. We're desperate. It's like the world is over, overcoming us. I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you. 
into your holy temple. You know, when you voice a prayer to God, it doesn't just waver in the atmosphere for some time till God's got time for you. He hears your prayer when you pray. Isn't that beautiful? That the omniscient God knows everything about me and every moment of my life. And when I pray, He grabs that prayer and He takes it. In fact, Christ is interceding for us on our behalf. There's two at work. And then the Holy Spirit's at work as well. The Trinity is at work when we pray. Yes, sometimes He does say wait. And we have to wait. But remember, God's a redeeming God. Remember I said that at the beginning? God is about our redemption. He's not there to destroy our life. And I love to remember that when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like I'm in the bottom of the big fish. But to rebel against the hand of God is to ask for trouble. In verse 8, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. And mercy is in referring to a of the love of God, the true deep love of God here. They forsake that. And a testimony to, to Jonah's behavior, idolatry is, is loving something more than you would trust um, in God. Maybe in your life, you don't think there's idolatry in your life, but what, what place does money play in your life? What about your relationships? What about your family, your home, your job, your career, your education, your free time? Do you idolize those things? No, you say, no, I'd never idolize those, Tom. But what I'm saying is, are they more important to you than God? Yeah, we have to go to work for eight hours a day and we go and do our work. We have to be concentrated on that. But is that the idol of your life? Is that the thing that you live for? Because that's a problem with Jonah. He was living for himself and his own safety, his own security. And he forgets that God has got the best for him in his life. Where do you turn for your comfort? Where do you turn for your comfort? Is it to God? The God that I know is a beautiful God. I love the worship. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. I praise the name of the Lord our God. Why, he's got to be the central focus of Tom's life. And maybe yours as well. But I know for Tom, unless he's central in my life, Tom is like at the bottom of the big fish. I might as well be strangled down there when I turn aside to other things that I think are more important than God. And God keeps Jonah in the belly while he deals with him. And, and then safety comes later. He never abandoned Jonah. And he never will abandon you. That's beautiful. He never abandoned Jonah. And right now, you might feel overwhelmed by the, the waves. God hasn't Abandon you. I want to tell you that. He never abandons him. He's drawing him back to himself. Someone once said this, it's better to be reunited with God in the belly of a big fish than being abandoned on dry land. 
I think that's kind of cool. It is better to be reunited with God in the belly of a big fish than being abandoned while on dry land. And then finally, God will often wait until we realize who he is and what um, is, and he is who we need. Jonah submitted, verses 9 and 10. Jonah submitted, he prayed, and he trusted, and God forgave him. You know, John, 1 John 1, 9 says, I love this verse, it says, For, um, if we confess our sin, he is faithful. Remember those three words, he is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How beautiful is that? If we confess, that's all we have to do. And often we say, Lord, would you forgive me for what I've done? That's not what he asks us to do. He says, I want you to confess what you've done. I promise to forgive you. But I need you to confess. Why? Because that's me admitting what I've done. All right? Lord, would you, conf- you, would you forgive me for doing this? It's kind of like half-hearted forgive, uh, confession. But when we focus on what we've done wrong, you know what God says, hey, that's beautiful. I'm going to forgive you. We don't even have to ask for that. And it says in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. Maybe in verse 9, sorry. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. How beautiful. And God doesn't have a memory when it comes to my sin. I love that too. Because I do. I remember. But when I remember, you know what I've got to do? I've got to remember that God's forgiven me. And his blood is sufficient. So Jonah submitted. He prayed. He trusted. And God forgave him. And the Lord spoke. What does it say there at the end of verse, um, verse 10? What did it say? The Lord spoke to the fish. That's nice. And it vomited. Not all over Jonah. It vomited Jonah up on dry land. Maybe he did have a bit of vomit on him. He probably did stink, actually. Wouldn't it be? He would have enjoyed a hot shower, I'm sure. Maybe the Ninevites were going to give him that. Not. And so the Lord spoke. And so I want to say to this to you today, that nothing can stand in the way of God. When God speaks, nothing stands in his way. Remember, God is on a redeem, redeeming God. God does not abandon you. And when he speaks... All the world stops. I really believe that. There's stuff for I'm praying for every day. I've got a son who doesn't follow Christ. Hurts me deeply, deeply, deeply. And for a long, many, many years I've been praying. And I'm asking, Lord, Lord, would you step into this? Until he does, I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to trust God for that. And I'm going to trust him and trust him. And I'm going to encourage you to do the same. You know, all nature is subject to the voice of God. Nothing can stand in his way when he speaks. Psalm 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Psalm 50 verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. That's the outcome of being delivered, is that we glorify God, and that's his goal for us, is that we might bring glory and honor to him. And God displays mercy through his unending love. And he has the same love and mercy to you today as he had on Jonah. True. You are not alone. Sometimes you feel alone like, I'm the only one in this world. And why would God be interested in me? Well, he is. 
And I keep reminding myself, try to do it each day. Lord, thank you that actually you love me. That you're interested in me. Not the whole world, but me. Put yourself at the feet of God. And as you bow before him each day, and hopefully you take time to do that, because that's the course by which we can quickly go back to God when when the world overwhelms us. Jonah says here at the end, salvation is of the Lord. Do you know any other place to be saved? Any place, other place you can go for salvation? Some of you have been to counsellors, and I've been to a counsellor in the past. They're helpful. I've been to Christian brothers and sisters, and they're helpful. But true salvation only belongs to the Lord. Remember that. And that's to whom we must turn. Revelation 19 says this, After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Salvation belongs to the Lord and not to us. Circumstances at times might seem dangerous, but those very circumstances may very well be the indication to you that you are to return to God from whom you have strayed. Idols will take us away from him and they will never satisfy. You may feel tangled up right now, but there's only one way out and that is through through Christ. I wonder this morning whether you feel tangled. I wonder whether you feel at the bottom of of a big fish in the bottom of that ocean and life is overwhelming you. It could be your own life or it could be others around you you're feeling overwhelmed by by everything that's going on around you and you actually haven't stopped to come back to God and just let God know about that he knows anyway but he just wants you to to fess up about that and say Lord I just really need you right now can you give me some assurance that right now you haven't abandoned me that you are the God of redemption I promise you, he'll do that. I've experienced it in my life. Times when I've been at the bottom of that that big fish and God says, I've got you. I'm the God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance. And I just want to redeem you. I wonder whether this morning you need to feel that sense of God's redemption in your life. Let's just bow in prayer. And I just invite the worship team, if they would just come up. Oh God, I thank you today that you are the God of redemption. Oh God, what amazing, loving, merciful God and gracious God that you are. Thank you that you do not abandon us. And Lord, some of us feel kind of abandoned today. Some of us feel overwhelmed, strangled even by the seaweed that's around us and all the smelly fish that are coming in through the big fish's mouth and into his belly and we're there just thinks where we are Lord and we're crying out maybe for the wrong answers to the wrong people and so Lord we say sorry we just confess Lord we just need you today I so thank you Lord that you're the God who's a redeeming God 
And if today you feel overwhelmed by your circumstance, would you just tell God that? Would you admit to God that you are a redeeming God? I'm going to trust you. Thank God that he hasn't abandoned you today. I think that's beautiful. And if he can meet the needs of Jonah, he can meet your needs today. And as we're going to stand and sing in a moment, and maybe if God is speaking to your heart, or you just need someone to pray with you this morning, I invite you just come and sit up the front here, and Craig and Joseph are here, Christine's here, Grant's here. I'll be sitting at the front. If you need someone to pray with you this morning, we'd love to do that. Just to help point you to God and just to be there and to be a strength for you today. So, Lord, I thank you that you hear our prayer, you answer our cry, and you never abandon us.